This is the New Life Rancho Vista podcast. We are a church committed to loving God, growing together, and serving others. Our prayer and desire is that this message from our campus pastor, Peter Moore, will be a help and an encouragement to you, regardless of where you are in your relationship with Jesus. So let's open our hearts and minds as we turn our attention to the incredible truths God has for us today. We're in a series entitled Against All Odds, and uh, it has been a wonderful series to see the nature of God through a projection, a type of Jesus Christ in the life of Elisha. And everything that we see in the life of Elisha is that foreshadowing of who Jesus is and what Jesus came to do. And today we're going to see how Jesus comes to bring the victory and uh, we can have victory in who Jesus is and who we are in Jesus. And uh, before, we, <clears throat> before we get into uh, this passage of Scripture, uh, I want to read another passage of Scripture in Psalm chapter 71. And in, in Psalm 71, uh, the, the psalmist is, is talking about <clears throat> Uh, some confusion. Uh, he was he was having difficulty expressing something uh, to uh, the next generation, and uh, he says in verse number nine, "Cast me not off in the time of old sake. Forsake me not when my strength faileth. For my enemies speak against me. Has anyone ever said anything against you falsely?" My enemies speak against me. They that wait for my soul take counsel together, saying, God hath forsaken him. Persecute and take him, for there is none to deliver him. O God, be not far from me. O my God, make haste to help me. Let them be confounded and consumed that that, uh, are adversaries to my soul. They cover me with reproach and dishonor that seek my hope. But I will hope continually. I will praise thee more and more. I will, verse 16, go in the Lord of the strength. I will make uh, my mention of thy righteousness, even thine only. O God, thou hast taught me from my youth. God has taught him of his wondrous works, he says in verse 17. And he talks about the greatness of God. He lets his tongue say the greatness of God in moments of adversity and moments of difficulty against all odds, the psalmist knew this, that God was greater. Let's pray. God, we come before you and we know that you are greater. God, we ask that you would please help us as we uh, come into your presence and understand that, Lord, every truth in your word gives us the vision and the perspective we need to live life, Lord, with the blind spots that, that a sinful world, that a, a dark and, and dreary world, Lord, brings. I pray that you would give us clarity today. I, will pr- I pray that through this story of divine intervention, that you would, Lord, use it in our life in a powerful way. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, sometimes there are, we'll see something and it, it, it's a picture that shows 
a different paradigm. Sometimes we look at a picture and we think, man, it just doesn't, seems like something's a little off. I saw a picture this week and I thought, man, that's either photoshopped or, or it's real and something's just weird. Something's a little off there. And I, I, I looked up where this picture was found. It was uh, taken in Australia and it's actually not photoshopped. That is a little girl walking up a giant frying pan handle that is on a beach in Australia. There's a little bit more context when you uh, get a wide shot to see many different people walking around that sculpture. The name of that sculpture, I think, fits living in Palmdale in the summer. It is, the name of it is, We Are Frying Here, okay? Uh, I, I think that that's how this summer has been uh, portrayed, uh, just us in a frying pan. Uh, but you know, it's interesting when you see one angle of something, it often can be a little bit deceiving until you see a greater angle, a, a greater perspective. There's a panorama view of God's power and greatness in this passage of Scripture. And we see that God is showing us that every battle that we are facing is a spiritual battle. Every battle that you are facing internally is a spiritual battle. Every battle that you are facing relationally is a spiritual battle. Every battle that our country is facing is a spiritual battle. So here's the main thought as we begin today, and it is this, uh, that, that all of our battles are spiritual battles, and the victory belongs to the Lord. The victory belongs to the Lord. I have been uh, quoting this verse over and over again. It's probably the most quoted verse that I've ever quoted uh, in a short period of time, the last year and a half. Thousands of times I've quoted uh, the, the verse in Proverbs chapter 21, and uh, in verse number 29, it says, the wicked man hardened his face, meaning he's not willing to look around. He is set, he, he, he has one perspective. He doesn't want to change his perspective. Uh, but the upright, uh, it, God directs his way. Uh, those that are choosing God's way, God is going to direct. God is going to give them a perspective. There's no wisdom, nor understanding, nor counsel against the Lord. For the horse is prepared for the day of battle. Listen, it's okay to be prepared. It's okay to do what you know is best. But ultimately, how many of you know this? Safety belongs to the Lord. You know, there's a lot of people out there that are really concerned about health and safety, and that, that is wonderful. And, and you want to be prepared, you want to be safe. But ultimately, all of our victory, all of our safety, how many of you know, it belongs to the Lord. God is the one that is ultimately our champion, as we uh, just sang. What a wonderful truth that is. And so we have to ask ourselves, are we going to use our own perspective, our own uh, ability to prepare, our own ability to have strength, to have victory, or are we going to rely on God's perspective for victory and success in any area of life? Now, I read this last week, this last week that uh, over the last um, <clears throat> 200 years, the United States, since its founding, has been involved in 12 different wars. But more than 12 different wars, there have been countless thousands of battles. In fact, in, in the last 1,000 years, there has never been a nation that has fought and won so many battles. In fact, the, uh, I was also reading that the Navy SEALs have fought uh, little, little battles, little, uh, little conflicts. Over 1,000 little conflicts have been won uh, with the Navy SEALs just in their existence in the last uh, 75 years. And so... Uh, God has given our nation 
a wonderful military. How many of you are thankful for our military? How many are thankful for a country where God has given us a, a wonderful military? And listen, we're thankful for our freedom. They protect our freedoms, right? But I want you to understand this, that just as we rely on our military might, and as we're thankful for our military, we also have to realize that there is a greater power, that there is a greater host, there is a greater army that is greater than our military. It is the greatest host of angels that we're going to read about in this passage today. And I want you to see this perspective. There are four different perspective shifts that I want you to see to have victory in our Christian lives today. I want you to notice, number one, is this, that God reveals secrets. God has the power to reveal secrets. There are things that man tries to conceal that God reveals. No matter how much we try to scheme, no matter how much we try to plan, no matter how smart we think we are as a nation, God has the last word. God has a choice and a say in the affairs of men. I want you to notice what is happening in this story because I want you to see how God takes the secrets of one king and shares them with another. I'm gonna ask Pastor Joe to help us read, starting in verse number eight and reading down through verse number 12. 2 Kings chapter six, verses eight through 12. Then the king of Syria warred against Israel and took counsel with his servants saying, in such and such a place shall be my camp. And the man of God said unto the king of Israel, saying, Beware that thou pass not such a place, for thither the Syrians are come down. And the king of Israel sent to the place which the man of God told him and warned him of, and saved himself there not once nor twice. Therefore the heart of the king of Syria was sore troubled for this thing. And he called his servants and said unto them, Will ye not show me which of us is for the king of Israel? And one of his servants said, none, my lord, O king, but Elisha, the prophet that is in Israel, telleth the king of Israel the words that thou speakest in thy bedchamber. Now I'm telling you, you would be troubled too if someone was saying, you know, listening in on your conversation, you say, pastor, they are listening in on our conversation. No, I understand. I, I understand that. Uh, but, but this was a little bit different. Uh, the, these, these guys were getting ready to go to battle and every time they thought they had a plan, God whispered into the ear of Elisha to whisper into the ear of the, the king of Israel what their plan was so that they could adjust, adjust their armies accordingly. And, and, and every time they went to try to go to battle, God, God fooled their plan. Now, it's interesting to me that God was not only giving some information about battle, but God was giving personal information from the king of Syria to Elisha, and Elisha was sharing that with the king of Israel. Now, first, my thought was, well, what's he saying in his bedroom that God's allowing Elisha to learn? I'd be troubled as well. Like, hey, that's personal information. And I will tell you that sometimes you feel like, uh, I've had people even tell me, uh, Pastor, 
um, you were getting a little personal this morning. <laughs> I had someone tell me this morning, Pastor, uh, it was, you know, it was a little bit personal. The message was a little bit personal. And I will tell you, sometimes some, some people say, man, you know, you were just speaking to me. And I'll tell you how the Holy Spirit is speaking to you. The Holy Spirit reads your mail. <laughs> the Holy Spirit knows your thoughts. The Holy Spirit knows the secret place of your heart. I, I remember as a kid, my Sunday school teacher used to always say, listen, God knows your thoughts. God knows your heart. And sometimes you're going to be sitting there and all of a sudden you're going to hear thunder and God speaking to you. And he would always ask, what is God wanting to say to you through thunder? And I thought, man, why, why does he always talk about that? And finally he read the verse um, in, uh, in Psalm, I think it's Psalm 89 that says, um, yeah, Psalm 81, 7, he says, uh, thou callest in trouble, and I delivered thee. I answered thee in the secret place of thunder. <laughs> and my Sunday school teacher would read that verse and say that every time that you hear thunder, God is speaking to you. God's speaking to you in the secret place of the thunder. And I, and undoubtedly, I'd, I'd, I'd be, you know, uh, just a normal kid living my life and a, a thunderstorm would come through. And for uh, some of you who aren't used to um, thunderstorms out here in the Antelope Valley, uh, it's this little thing where the clouds start to get dark and the, and the lightning starts to come and, uh, and, and, and thunder hits. And I think we have a reminder of that sound. This is just a beautiful sound, okay? This is the sound of God speaking, okay? Uh, the, the sound of thunder. It'd be great just to have an awesome thunderstorm this summer, man. I'm praying for that. I just want, I want some thunder, right? I want some rain. How many of you know we need some rain here in the Hell Valley, okay? We need some rain. But, but God's speaking to thunder. And of course, we know what thunder is. Thunder is uh, where the, the, the electrons uh, in, in the atmosphere are balanced by uh, the, the, the lightning, is the striking of one electron to the, uh, from, from the clouds uh, to the earth. It's the, those, those negative and positives, right, uh, connecting. But, but I will tell you this, that when God wants to speak to you, you know he doesn't have to use thunder. You know when God wants to speak to you, he doesn't need lightning. You know, when God wants to speak to you often, he will use a trial. You know, when God, when God speaks to you the loudest, it's in the, it's in the still small voice of a valley. And in this moment, God was using the secrets of a king to shake the spirit of a nation. He was using the secrets of a king to shake the nation of Israel, but also to shake uh, the the the. Uh, the assistant of Elisha to say, hey, there's a perspective that's greater than your perspective. And here's a key thought that I want you to see in, in, in just straight from this text is, is, is when God uh, loves us, he loves us enough to not allow us to win in our sin. That, that God is going to sometimes reveal something in our hearts, in our lives, that is painful for us to accept that is difficult for us to think, wow, could I be that twisted? Could I be that off base? Could I have viewed that so wrong? And I will tell you that every one of us have stubborn pride in our hearts to say, not me. But it's God that says, hey, I'm going to uncover something in your life as love to tell you, hey, maybe there's something in your life that you've been hiding that I want to reveal so I can help heal 
that in your heart and in your life. And so God reveals secrets. But I want you to see number two, uh, notice that God creates contrast. God creates contrast. In this passage, I want you to see how God is creating the contrast of a massive army surrounding Elisha, but there's another army surrounding that army that would not seem nearly as powerful if there hadn't been a, a, a moving of, of the Syrian nation. All of their army came down against two men that, that are mentioned, the assistant to Elisha the prophet and Elisha. So you have two guys. <laughs> against thousands of trained soldiers and all of their weapons, all of their flaming torches and arrows and, and catapults and everything they brought, all of their ability to make war against two potentially unarmed men of God. And you have what was against all odds as a contrast to God's army. Let's read starting in verse number 13. 2 Kings chapter 6, verses 13 through 15. And he said, go and spy where he is, that I may send and fetch him. And it was told him, saying, behold, he's in Dothan. Therefore sent he thither horses and chariots and a great host. And they came by night and compassed the city about. And when the servant of the man of God was risen early and gone forth, behold, and host compassed the city both with horses and chariots. And his servant said unto him, alas, my master, how shall we do? Now notice he does not say, what shall we do? The, the, the phrase here is very, very important because the servant of Elisha says, how shall we do? God, through the Holy Spirit leading Jeremiah to write this, is saying to, to, to all of us readers to say, the servant of Elisha was asking, how are we going to get out of this situation? He was not asking, he was not asking what is God going to do? He was asking, what are we going to do? How is this going to end? What is the end? He wanted to know the end of a thing, not the next step. And God was going to give the contrast of this massive army that it looked like he was surrounded. It looked like everything was, was completely um, out of control. But here's a key thought. That whenever God wants to give clarity, he always gives contrast. Whenever you seem surrounded, whenever you seem like all hope is lost, whenever you seem like the odds are just completely against you, know this, that God is giving you a contrast of the impossible so that he can do the incredible. God is always working in a contrast. Whenever there's something that just seems out of your control, know that is in his control. Anything that seems like God can't do, uh, that you can't do anything without God, that's where God shows up the biggest and shows himself true. In, in, a, in a powerful way. And so here's an action item for you. I was just encouraging, this was really a help to me. Instead of fretting because of the chaos, choose to see the chaos around you as God's contrast for his next conquest. God wants to do a conquest in your life. God wants, to, God wants you to see his victory. God wants you to see his amazing display of power and love. And he wants you to see everything that's going on in, 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 in your purview. But first you have to ask yourself, am I willing to allow the odds to be so stacked against me that I have nowhere to turn but God in order to trust his moving, his leading in my life.
You know, contrast is difficult because you don't always see it the way God sees it. Uh, three or four years ago, you guys may remember, uh, this took the nation by storm and, and uh, it, what they called it broke the internet, right? Um, but it was this dress that everyone was arguing about the color. Some said it was black and blue and some said it was gold and white. Uh, how many of you think that looks like gold and white? Think of gold, gold and white. How many of you see blue and black still? Okay, about half and half, which is why it was tearing families apart and friendships were being ended. And, and workplaces were having violence because people were back and forth. Well, really, all of this is determined based on the contrast of lighting, right? So if you look at this, the lighter the contrast is in the picture, the more it looks like white and gold. The darker, the more it looks like blue and black. Now, reality said something entirely different. It was dark blue and black. In fact, this is the lady holding up that dress that she posted on the internet. It is definitely blue and definitely black. But it's the contrast of lighting that makes your eyes believe something different. And I will tell you this, that there, you might be in a situation that seems like God is not good, that seems like God has given up on you. It seems like God can't do anything in your situation. It seems like all hope is lost, that there's against all odds. But I will tell you this, that in the contrast of evil, in the contrast of darkness, in the contrast of impossible odds, God always shows up and God always shows up big. God does his greatest works in the dark. God does his greatest works when all hope seems to be lost. And I will tell you that God did something incredible in Dothan. But I want you to know that, that God, God did a work in Dothan before. You see, God showed up in a tangible, literal, and an incredible way in Dothan in this passage. But what if God decides to show up in a very invisible way in your life? You see, God might not unveil your, the, the great armies around you. God might not uh, unveil something incredible like he does in this passage. God might just give you enough grace to take the next step. And that's what he did in Dotham about a thousand years before this moment in the life of Joseph. In Dotham, that was where his brothers decided to forsake him. It was in Dothan that, that his brothers put uh, Joseph into a pit and left him for dead. It was in Dothan where, where his brothers sold him into, took him out of that pit and sold him into slavery. And it was Dothan that Joseph said later, they meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. It was the exact same place that God showed up in Joseph's life, but it didn't look like deliverance but it was. Sometimes God will deliver you in the dark and sometimes God will deliver you in the light, but God will always give you the contrast to take the next step. So yes, God reveals secrets, but also God creates contrast. And all of this, number three, gives clarity. God gives clarity. I want you to say that with me. God gives clarity. Now listen, you may not think that it's clarity, but it's always clarity. God may not give you, in fact, he never, I shouldn't say never, but he, he often will only give you a little bit of clarity because if he gave you all the steps, you wouldn't need him. 
but God is a God of clarity. God promises that he will give wisdom when you seek him. God promises that he will give you illumination and revelation and transformation when you are seeking him first. God is a God of clarity. God is not the author of confusion. God is not a God uh, that, that brings you uh, to a situation where you're just like, I, I, I have 50 steps and I don't know which one to take. God will always give you the next step. God always is a God of clarity. And I want you to see there's one prayer and one answer in this, in, in this passage. And I love this prayer request. I want you to see it in verse number 16 and 17. 2 Kings chapter 6, verses 16 through 17. And he answered, fear not, for they that be with us are more than they that be with them. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray thee, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire round about Elisha. I mean, what a sight. <laughs> what a sight. So here's this guy, um, you know, the assistant of Elisha, he's just waking up early in the morning. I don't think he had brushed his teeth. I, I don't think he was ready for the day. That's just, I, that's not in the passage. I'm just thinking it's early in the morning. No doubt he's going to get water. No doubt he's, he's getting ready for breakfast. He's getting ready for the day. He exits their living, their, their dwelling place. And upon exiting early in the morning, he, he has a surprise. And the surprise is there are unwanted guests on their lawn. There are people who want to kill them, who want to harm them all the way surrounded. And we know that they, he could see them because they were close. And we know that he could see them because no doubt they had torches. No doubt they needed a way to see where Elisha's, what Elisha was staying as well. And so here you have this massive amount. We also know that Dothan is located in the hill country of Samaria. So, so he would have looked along, around the hillside and seen just thousands of soldiers. At that point, breakfast was the least important part of his day. <laughs> At that point, he, he wasn't concerned about what was going to be uh, on the schedule that day. Now he just wanted to stay alive. And he runs into Elisha. And his greatest concern, listen, was what he can see. He's so focused on what he can see. He's so focused on what is around him. He's so focused on the pending, uh, the, the, the pending battle that, that no doubt he's, he's feeling like they're going to face. And so you have Elisha, who's awake now, I'm sure. And you have the frantic assistant who's communicating his fear. And Elisha says, <laughs> and this just, I don't know why it hits me funny, but Elisha says, fear not. It's, 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 it's a compound word. It's aliar. It's a very complex word. It's used all throughout the Bible. It's, it's almost always used in the Old Testament when an angel shows up. They will say, fear not, aliar. And it's the Hebrew compound word that literally means, don't be afraid, but it means um, don't allow any situation to become too overwhelming. Don't be overwhelmed by this situation. To avoid becoming so overly thoughtful or dismayed, uh, to acknowledge the anxiety, but, but not be fixated on it. To have a reverence for what is terrifying, no doubt, not to be foolish, but not to be controlled by it. We live in a nation 
gripped by fear, gripped by anxiety. And I will tell you this, that the the message is still today as it was 3,000 years ago when this was penned, and that is fear not. Fear not. Don't allow this situation to grip you. Now, it's interesting in verse, verse 17, there are only two compound Hebrew words used. When he says in verse 17, he says, um, or verse 16, I'm sorry, there are only two compound words used. The first is al-yar, which is fear not. The second is, is, is what makes up all of the other words, for they that be with us are more than they that be with them. It's, it's the compound word rebin. And the compound word rebin, it literally means outnumbered. It means to have such a great overpowering multitude. It's this massive army that is, that is outnumbering any army that could possibly be surrounding you. <laughs> so he says, aliar rebin, to say, hey, don't be so concerned about what you can see because there's more of what you can't see. God is wanting to give clarity in this moment to the assistant to the man of God who cannot see the realm of the spiritual, who cannot grasp that they are outnumbered, not just they are outnumbered by the army, but there is an army surrounding the army, and that army is always greater and always more powerful and always uh, so much greater. Look at in verse number 17 what it says. This is just remarkable. Elijah prays and says, open his eyes. The word open um, literally means to unstop his eyes. God, please take the, the, the physical uh, temporal veil off his eyes unstop his eyes so he can see the eternal, so that he can see the the spiritual realm. By the way, how many of you know there's a great host of angels surrounded every single one of you, that there is a spiritual battle every time you give in to Satan, every time you give in to evil, the, the, the battle is being won for evil, and there's a battle raging. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and rulers of darkness, and, and so here's that realm being open. He says, open his eyes, unstop his eyes, that he may see. The word see is the word for understanding, that he may comprehend, that he may uh, grasp what you're doing. You're doing something bigger here that he can't understand, that he can't see. Elisha wasn't worried because he knew what God was doing. And so he says, they're outnumbered. I'll never forget, uh, I was in, I just moved out here about 20 years ago and and I was driving around the Elm Valley. I was just trying to like get my surroundings. And I drove by this church, and it, the church still exists here in the Elm Valley. And and they were they, there was a ton of cars. It was on a Saturday afternoon. There was a ton of cars in the parking lot. And I thought, oh, oh man, they're having an event. And so I again, new to the area, I thought, well, this is interesting. They're having a major event. I. I it was hard to find a parking spot, but I found a parking spot, and I didn't know which door to go into. I walked in a side door, and, and I didn't know. There was a bunch of hallways connected, and I was like, I don't know which hallway to go through, but I'll just kind of find my way. And, and, and I walked into a door, and I didn't realize I was walking into the side of the auditorium. And right as I walked in, to the right of me, there was this massive buffet of like hors d'oeuvres. Now, guys, 
they were like the good hors d'oeuvres, okay? They were like the, you know, the, the meatballs and the, and the cheeses. I mean, like the good stuff, right? And I'm like, man, I just, I just hit a jackpot, right? This is, this is awesome. And, uh, and so I'm getting to play. I'm like, hey, you know, this is uh, open to the public. You know, this is an event. And, and I'm halfway down the line. And, I, and you know how you just get this feeling like everyone is looking at you? And I'm like, you know, I wasn't on stage. It wasn't, and I'm looking around, and, and, and then it just hit me. I, I feel like I'm the only guy in the room, and I'm looking around. I'm like, I'm the only guy in this room. And I, and I look around the corner, and there's this big banner that says, you know, this ladies' event, right? So I'm this only guy, you know, mooching food out of, out of a ladies' event, and they're all looking at me like, who is this guy? Like, what is he doing, right? And, uh, and so I got out of there. I took my food, but I got out of there. And, and, but have you ever felt outnumbered? Have you ever felt like, man, you know, everyone's, you know, everyone's against me. Have you ever felt like, man, I just, I, 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 I can't, I, I don't have the numbers. I don't have the odds. It's not in my favor. And I want you to know that when God opens your eyes, he will give you clarity. That every time God opens your eyes, it changes things. Can I tell you something? We need to stop asking God to change our circumstance and start asking God to change our perspective. To stop asking God to change all the things around us and start to ask God to change something inside us. Because, you know, sometimes God will change our circumstances, but many more times God wants to change us. God wants to change us. You know, it's really difficult for me to say this, but sometimes God puts us through a trial, allows us to go through a trial, not because he doesn't love us, not because that he's, he's like some angry, mean guy who's just, you know, you know, mad about our, you know, just pounding. No, 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 no. He is, he's a righteous and a holy God, but he also is a loving God. And sometimes the only way he can do something within us is allow something around us to be uncomfortable through a trial. And so God gives contrast. God gives clarity. But ultimately, and number four, and that is this, God protects the truth. Now you might ask yourself, <clears throat> why does God need to protect the truth? And that's a very perceptive question. If the truth is true, then why does anyone need to protect it? And that's what our culture wants to try to, they want to try to twist what is true. Our culture's into saying, well, if it's true to you, it's true to you. And if it's true to me, it's true to me. Hey, every truth is relative. And the reality is there, are, there is only one version of truth that can be true. You can call this room 20 feet and I can call it 50 feet, but until we get a measuring tape and say it's 55 feet wide, then, then listen, both of us are wrong. There is a standard by which everything is measured and it is the truth. And the reason why God protects the truth and the truth givers is because it's very easy, kind of like with the dress and with the girl on the handle, it's very easy to not change the truth. You can never change the truth, but it's very easy to put something next to the truth to try to warp our view of the truth. And so the king of Syria had gone to Dothan to try to mute the messenger of truth. <laughs> How many of you know, Elisha, the secrets that he was telling, they were the truth. <laughs> and we know it's the truth because the king of Israel, he sent messengers and, and spies to say, oh, did he go there? Oh, he did go there. Oh, Elisha was telling the truth. 
See, both kings had two things in common. They were both seeing if God was telling the truth. And God was. But one king decided he wanted to, to live outside of the truth. He wanted to mute the messenger of truth. He wanted to try to muffle the truth. And we live in a culture that tries to muffle the truth. And so what happens? Well, God decides <laughs> to bring them to the source of truth. I want you to see this. Look in verse number 18. Let's read the, the rest of the chapter. 2 Kings chapter 6, verses 18 through 23. And when they came down to him, Elisha prayed unto the Lord and said, Smite this people, I pray thee, with blindness. And he smote them with blindness according to the word of Elisha. And Elisha said unto them, This is not the way, neither is this the city. Follow me, and I will bring you to the man whom ye seek. But he led them to Samaria. And it came to pass when they were come into Samaria that Elisha said, Lord, open the eyes of these men that they may see. And the Lord opened their eyes and they saw. And behold, they were in the midst of Samaria. And the king of Israel said unto Elisha when he saw them, my father, shall I smite them? Shall I smite them? And he answered, thou shalt not smite them. Wouldest thou smite those whom thou hast taken captive with a sword and with thy bow? Set bread and water before them, that they may eat and drink and go to their master. And they prepared great provision for them. And when they had eaten and drunk, he sent them away and they went to their master. So the bands of Syria came no more into the land of Israel. Victory sometimes looks different than what you pictured. Victory doesn't mean you've conquered your your opponent. Victory means you no longer have an opponent. Victory means that the person who was trying to inflict harm upon you, the, the person who was stealing from you, victory means that God has neutralized the situation. That's true victory. Sometimes we want to go to battle instead of doing what God said, bless them who persecute you. Pray for them who say all manner of evil despite you. God says, hey, you want to kill them, don't you? Yes, let me kill them. And God says, no, I want you to feed them. <laughs> I want you to bless them. See, the truth is that Jesus didn't just come with a sword. He came with hands of service. He came uh, to, to bless those who, who did not want to hear the truth. See, these men were led 20 miles out of Dothan into Samaria, and they were led there to be shown the love of God, to be shown that when they had the worst intentions, God still had the best intentions, that God, even when we don't know it, he is leading us to where he wants us to go. God will sometimes even keep you in the dark to lead you to where he wants you to be. And so we have in this passage a paradox because they were not blind where they could not see where they were going. The word blindness here is the word for confusion. God literally took their ability to know where they were and who they were talking to and they allowed he allowed them to believe a delusion that they were going the right way, when in reality, they were going God's way. They did not recognize Elisha because God did not want them to. 
And God can take a desire from your heart. God can shift your mind. God can shift your perspective. God can do something in you that you could never do in yourself because God is the great revealer. God is the one who is leading you ultimately to his truth. And so what is the truth that God is protecting? Well, Jesus said in John chapter eight, he said, ye shall know the truth and the truth, listen to this, the truth shall make you free. Now, today we celebrate the freedom that we have, not just in our nation, but in Jesus Christ. And we're thankful for a free nation. But I will tell you that this freedom in Jesus Christ, this freedom is modeled here because now you had two nations who were free. You have the nation of Syria who's free from their passion to kill the Israelis. And you have the nation of Israel who's freed from an oppressor who's trying to come and hurt them. You have great freedom. But you do not have freedom without the leading of Elisha saying, that's not the way. The way is not to kill the truth. The way is not to kill the messenger. The way is to come to grips with what God is wanting you to do. God is wanting every person in this room to know this, that ultimately he has his best, your best interest in mind. And if you will allow him to guide you, if you will allow him to give you the perspective that ultimately he desires for you to have, there will be a better way. Notice what, notice what Elisha says. He says, guys, this is not the way. <laughs> I love that. I underlined that. This is not the way. Kind of reminded me of Mando. Not the way. <laughs> this is the way. Show, let me show you the way. I will take you this way. And God is wanting to say, hey, listen, there's a better perspective. There's a perspective that's a better way to live. There's a way that you, that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. This is a better way. God will allow his truth to set you free, but only if you decide that you're going to live by it. You shall know the truth. You shall live by the truth and the truth shall make you free. Here's our takeaway and then we'll pray. And it is this, we need to choose to see the victory that God has waiting for us on the other side of obedience. I don't know what God is asking you to reveal or do or or come to grips with, but I will tell you, the way is not outside of obedience to God. God has much waiting for you just on the other side of obedience. God is wanting to reveal some great things. He's wanting you to see the victory that only he can give. But it must be you stepping out and allowing the consequences to be left up to God. Thanks again for listening. If you would like to learn more about our church or how to get connected, check us out online at findnewlife.church or find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook under the handle Find New Life. Have an amazing day.